It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my co-host Brad Fike. What's up, Brad? Well, we're just watching the sunshine on the snow that we got here the last few days in the Northeast Ohio range. We got piled on. Well, yeah, if you want to call it piled on, I guess. But yeah, for a long time we haven't got snow this thick. I guess that's true. I, I'm a I'm a millennial, right? We haven't had good snow like this in a long time. You you live lifetime. Back, we haven't had good. snow. I was snow. gonna say you live back in the day when you know winters like this were normal. Well, yeah, the we'd make forts in the snow. It was so deep yeah. inside. We could make tunnels in there. I think I remember one time in high school there was enough snow that we got snowed in at a friend's house. I was over at Tyler's house, and we were way out there in the middle of middle of nowhere and they hadn't plowed the roads we stayed out there for two nights because we were only supposed to spend the night one night but we had to stay two because the snow was so bad yeah i think that's the biggest snow i remember i would have been a freshman in high school so beyond that i don't remember a ton of snow i mean i remember having snow throughout the winter but never like i think we had what six inches last week in one night and then just yesterday a couple more maybe i don't know yeah you've been picking it up uh, over the last few days yeah Yeah, and it's cold I thought it was supposed to be summer or something all all year round. I don't like this stuff. Stuff's melting right now. I got to move south. Yeah. I'm not built for Ohio. Well, you know, global warming's here. Global warming. It's called climate change now because because too many people argued this idea. They said because climate change really overall is that it has an extreme effective weather all over the spectrum. The problem is, is that it was originally called global warming. Well, people will say, well, it's not very much warmer now. And it's okay, maybe not, but the weather is still extreme, right? So it's climate change. But I do believe warming. the history of the earth does have a lot of climate change history back billions of years. We're dabbling in places that we have no expertise in. That's like having that's our, true. that's like having some of our listeners tell us how the financial markets work. Hey, bring it. I have no idea. They might know more than us. <laughs> Either way, well, welcome to the podcast. You didn't get, you didn't join us for any of our weather talk, although I'm sure you've been talking about the weather wherever you're at. Um, but we are wrapping up a series. We're on the fifth one of the five habits of financially effective people, which has been a really fun series we've been going through. Just little tidbits of information of how people can be successful with their money. So we are ending this in the middle of a crazy beginning of the year. You know, if you would have asked me uh, 12 months ago what a crazy beginning of the year looked like, I would say, well, the markets have been skyrocketing. Well, now we're 12 months later and now the markets are plummeting, as the headlines would say. You know, the floor is falling out. Devastation. We're down to pandemic numbers. We haven't lost this much in a week since, you know, March of 2020. It's the end of the world. It's all over. Well, is it all over, Brad? It's all over. Okay, well. Give it up. You guys might as well just go on a, use your credit cards, go on a spending spree, <laughs> call today, because by tomorrow you're just going to need bullets, guns, and seeds. Oh, man. Sounds like this is the end of our podcast, folks. We had a good run. Armageddon uh, it's is all over. I was hoping to get to 100 episodes, but I guess we're done now. So. Yeah, it's all over. It's, but in all honesty, uh, we're in a crazy time period, and I think this is the perfect time to talk about this final topic. Um, the final habit of financially effective people, and there's more than this, but these are the top five, is buying low and selling high on their investments. Woo. That's a tough subject. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just really backwards. People don't think this way, do they? Buy low, sell high. Wait a second. That's the whole point of investing. You want to buy it when it's cheap and you want to sell it when it's expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, it's the emotional thought, right? 
almost everybody that invests money wants to make as much as they can, right? I want Absolutely. to get. I want to get there. I want to get rich. I want to get rich right now. How do I do it? I've well, been seeing uh, when it drops like that. I'm never going to get there, so I got to get out. Or the real smart guy goes, this is when I'm going to get in. This is how I'm going to get rich quick. Yeah, well, absolutely. I've been seeing this really funny commercial lately. It's a TurboTax commercial. They're talking about doing your taxes for you. But it's about cryptocurrency. And because that's going to be the hot topic this year, because everyone dabbled in Bitcoin or some sort of coin. Not everyone, but a lot of people did last year for the first time. And they're like, well, what do I do for my taxes? I've never really had to experience this. It's a really funny commercial. The guy has his phone and it dings and he goes, I'm a millionaire. And then he starts doing a dance and have a little party. And about five seconds later, it dings again. He goes, I'm not a millionaire. And then, it, and then it fast forwards, he's at his office, at his desk, he's typing, and it dings, I'm a millionaire. So he starts packing up his box like he's quitting his job, and then it dings again, and it says, and he goes, oh, I'm not a millionaire, and he dumps his box back on his desk. It's hilarious, because I it's true, it. it's the ups and downs of the market, and in the crypto world, those ups and downs are huge swings. But it's funny, because that's the mentality. I want to buy low and something brand new and exciting. And I want to be a millionaire overnight. I want to be that guy. I want to be him who sells it at the right time and gets out in time before it all collapses. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to uh, compare what's going on this year so far to somewhat uh, part of a New Year's resolution that some people do. So what's one of the, what's probably one of the number one New Year's Eve resolutions that someone makes? Number one, what do you think it's it is? It's got to be losing weight. There you go. Okay. So or working out more, whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about losing weight. So one of the process in a good weight loss program is cleansing your body, right? Right. Okay. So I got to take all this stuff and cleanse all the crap out of there. And then I'm going to put, you know, healthy stuff back in. Right. Is that, you know, that's that's a fair way to look at it, Makes right? Makes sense, yeah. So I compare that to the stock market so far this year, and this is how I stay positive about it. It's just a cleansing of the stock prices, hmm. right? I it's like just that. being cleansed. They need to be cleansed. They've been fattened up. They've been eating all the bad stuff for the 20 and 21, going crazy. Tech stocks are eating just potato chips. They're eating all the crap. <laughs> Financial potato chips. They're all chips. fattened up. The prices are all fattened up. And now they're getting a little cleansing and they're going to clean out. And you know what? We're going to get back to some normalcy and life is going to be awesome again. I agree. I think that's exactly what I'm looking at. I was listening to another podcast of uh, some financial advisors. One of the things that they said is that this can't go on forever for one reason, one reason only. Not every dollar of everybody's money is in the stock market. Which means there's going to be enough people out there who are smart enough to hold on to cash right now and wait until the market goes down a little bit further. And then what do you think they're going to do with their cash? They're going to throw it in the market because they know that if I get in at the bottom, that's going to create things that are going to go back up. And so just this idea of there's all this capital, there's all this money out there, there's still leftover money from stimulus money from two years ago and a year ago, that there is just there are funds available to be invested, and maybe someday they're going to jump in there, whether it's in the next few months or the next few years, I don't know. But that's going to create more upside swing once all this stuff hits the bottom. Yeah, I think smart money managers are out there sitting on cash. And I'll give you an example, and I'm not going to give you any detailed examples because I don't have the facts in front of me to say this, but I do remember this in general, and that was before COVID, one of our money managers that we use preached for probably almost a year prior to March of 20, all through the 19s, uh, maybe started in late 18, that we were in a long bull market. We had been in a long run bull market since, you know, after the uh, 2008 
recession and the bull market was good and that we were coming to the end of that cycle and they they were preparing for a, a recessionary type uh, not even knowing about covid and i remember looking at all the mutual funds and a lot of them were sitting on anywhere from 10 to 12 percent cash if right. you looked at the breakdown of assets in those portfolios 10 to 12 percent cash then i remember we got hit with covid march of 20 was brutal by the time I looked at the cash in July of 20, almost all of them were down to 3 or 4% cash. Sure. Okay. So what were they doing with that 12%, 10 to 12% sitting there waiting for that exact moment? Now, I looked at the cash in a lot of these mutual funds, and these are some of these are ones we use. By the end of the year, some of them started creeping up to 4 or 5%. So they came off the, the 3%, the 4%. Four or five, I saw a couple that were 6%, but not a whole lot higher than that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess if I go back through, and I, this is purely a guess on my part. I'm going to guess I go back in there, they may be back down to the 3 to 4% range. They right. probably jumped in on some of this. It's cleansing. It's good for the markets to have these drops like that. It's not good for one to panic. And this is certainly the worst time to get out. Sure. So that is the sell low and buy high mentality and people that are going to lose and that will cry and moan for years after <laughs> are the ones who got out in the last since the beginning of the first year and there's a boatload of them not our clients i don't know of any that have nobody's called me and and even discussed it with me right and i thank i thank our clients for that because i think we, that's from the education process and understanding the process that we have been through mm -hmm. but selling low is absolutely the last thing you want to do absolutely no and, and if we look now you know, from January 3rd all the way to January 21st. That's just so far this year. Yeah. The S&P 500, which is, you know, the top 500 stocks in the in America. So it's not, it doesn't show the whole world. It doesn't show everything, but it's a good little gauge it's to kind of see. It's a broad index. Yeah, it's broad, gives you a picture. It's down over 8%. 8%. That's kind of crazy to think about. That's and I got a lot. that, I just pulled it off of Yahoo Finance. Anybody can Google these numbers and pick the time frame. 8% is a lot. People start panicking. I mean, you start thinking about having a hundred thousand dollars in in your account. You may just have reached that after twenty, you know, twenty twenty one, great year. You're like, man, I finally got into the six figures in my retirement account, only to pull it up today and go, wait, it's only ninety two thousand. That's not very good. I don't like that. <laughs> I I was in the six figures now I'm below. But the reality is exactly what you're saying. It's a long term process. What happens in a month is a very small blip on the radar when it comes to long-term retirement investing or long-term savings with your investments. And one thing we know historically, and this is, this is a fact, I don't have a statistic to prove it, but this is a fact. Every time the market corrects like this, it always goes back up higher right. than it was before it corrected. Always. Every time. It never has not. Now, does that mean it never will in the future? No. But it's pretty likely if you go back, what is it, 100 years now? Or so, yeah. For the S&P, we're, what, 1923 or somewhere in the 1920s. We're now in the 2020s, so we got 100 years of experience. Every time the market corrects, it always comes back and goes higher than it was before. The day it doesn't, it's Armageddon. I still believe that's going to happen in the future. So I just try to tell people that and tell myself that. Right. I mean, I have to tell myself that. You know, this is going to come back, and when it does, it'll end up higher than it was before January 1. Let me play devil's advocate, and I know the answer to this question, but I'm just going to toss you a softball, Brad. I love him. So, yeah, yeah you right. just knock this one out of the park. So, 
picture this. Someone comes in the office or someone gives you a phone call and they say, hey, I'm panicking. I need to get out of the market. I, I don't want to lose any more money. And you come back with, uh, well, you need to have that long-term perspective. It's more than just a month. It's about the next you know, five years, not the next five minutes, right? Something right. along those lines. And they come back and say, well, I don't have five years. I don't have five minutes. Or I have to focus on the five minutes because I don't have five years. What is your response in that world? When, when people are so narrow-minded and tunnel-visioned on these last few months, and they're worried about, where's my income going to come from? Is it going to work? Is this all going to play out? Or or what? You know, When they're in that panic mode, what do you say? Well, I, I would go back to the original conversation before we went in, whenever we started with them as a, an advisor for them. And I would go back and go through what the purpose of their money is. Okay. I would say, how much do you actually need? How much are we pulling out? And go through the whole process, look at the numbers we ran when we went in the standard deviations. You'd have you have to go back through the numbers. Right. You can't just look at the five minute, five year, ten year, twenty year time frame because that's too general mm-hmm. for somebody that's in that hot moment. You're in a hot moment at that point, right? Right. You're in an emotional panic, you're freaking out, you can't take it, and that's when the phone call comes in. And that's when you say, Look, you can't do this over the phone. You need to come in and we're gonna start from scratch all over again walk through the numbers, why we're at where we're at, here's what we know statistically, and try to calm their fears that way. And my last statement would be then at that point, we're not going to change your mix now. Mm -hmm. But once this comes back, we're going to revisit this and we're going to change your risk level in most cases because this we obviously missed it. Or if we didn't miss it, you're not making that phone call. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you nailed it, that, and that's why I wanted to say this. There are a lot of listeners here um, that listen to our show, and they don't have an advisor. They don't have a plan. They're DIYers, do-it-yourselfers, which is fine. They may have a Vanguard portfolio or a TD Ameritrade account or something that they do on their own, or maybe they just manage their own 401k that they have at work, and they're trying to pick and choose those options. Well, when moments like this show up and they go, man, I was going to retire next year because things were looking good, now I don't think I can. The reality is, is what we're talking about is with our clients, this is a discussion we have over long periods of time. It's very rare that someone comes into our office in January who is retiring in in June to say, hey, I'm retiring in June. I need money. Can you make this all work out for me? In most cases, we're saying two years in advance, maybe a year in advance or maybe five years in advance. We're talking about this is what the design of your portfolio is today. So that when we get to that point, even if the markets are down or if we're in a recession or it isn't pretty out there in the market world, we can still make something happen because we adjusted for those changes and the variability that can happen in the stock market. Right. But thinking about that in your hot state is very difficult, right? Well, you can't think, you can't look outside. You're just in this frame of mind, you know. Did you ever get a bill from somebody and as soon as you open that envelope and you see the what they charge you for that, you go in a complete smoke world, right? It's the hospital. Anytime it, they send me something, I go, are you kidding me? How and much? And that is a hot emotional statement. But do you take the time to sit down and reflect and think about everything 
up to that point, whenever that appliance guy came in or the hospital <laughs> did whatever. And usually what, you know, here's, I'll, I'll give you, and so you need time to cool off and then you can think about it. I remember when I was in the health insurance business, I had a health insurance agency years ago and people would get a claim uh, denied or didn't get paid what they thought it would be. And they would call in here and just chew me out. And so um, a lot of times they couldn't get me, so they would get the uh, the office manager, which was Karen, and they would call and they would chew Karen out. And Karen <laughs> said, so-and-so just chewed me out like I have control of this claim, but I told him to call you back. I wouldn't call him back that day and on purpose. And I would call him back the next day where they had time to sleep on it. And then whenever I'd call them, they were just as nice as could be to me. And they go, so, you know, I'm not happy about this, but they weren't in this hot state anger moment they weren't seeing red right and so that's what that's what we're talking about here it's that hot state anger moment and you're not thinking clearly you're just so focused on you know that stinking stock market and it's killing me and you know it, you can't just stop stop for a minute yeah hang up the phone or don't make the phone call just reflect for a little bit think about the conversation you have with your advisor if you didn't have an advisor well that's your problem right, right. i mean i hate to be cold about it but i'm just going to say you're probably the guys that are guys and gals that are probably not all i'm going to say maybe a few are liquidating those right now and you know what thank you because uh, my clients that aren't liquidating are the ones that are going to benefit from that but anyhow right. well not, when they're selling their shares we're hopefully our yeah. clients are hopefully buying them at that price so that they can go right back yeah. up right? and i don't want to sound like a jerk there but you know that's that this is the problem with the emotional uh investing this is why coaching is so important it's why having an advisor there by your side and it's why the beginning process of doing it right always wins you gotta have a process you can't just go on the internet and start buying stuff because it's cheap and because they say that you know you need to own this 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 and this from whatever uh, newscaster or whatever news article you're reading and looking for the cheapest way to do it hoping to get rich quick it right. isn't going to happen if it it's very 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 rare so buying low and selling high is is what you're supposed to do. Most people do the opposite. There's facts all over the place on that. Yeah, there's a there's a company called Dalbar, uh, D A L B A R, and I don't have their their stuff to to link in the show notes, but you can go over to their website, I'm sure, and check out some of the things they posted. They do some really interesting research on investors, and they find that the average investor doesn't make as much as the market produces when it comes to returns. And a lot of that is, if you read into the research, because they make emotional decisions. They decide to sell when the markets are down, and they decide to buy when the markets are up when they feel comfortable. The problem is, is that investing is buy low, sell high. You have to go against the grains of your emotions. Now, you do have to do your research. I don't want to say that, you know, you can, just, like you said, you don't just want to go out there and pick stocks and play the game and try to buy, you know, because you have a feeling or a gut feeling. What you need to do is have a system, have a scientific method, an engineered portfolio, and then you need to stay systematic with it of saying, hey, I need to get in when things are down and I need to stay in while they're down. And then I ride this to the top and I don't, you know, panic and I don't do anything at the bottom. I just let this thing roll. You're going to have a great experience long term. Yeah. And I had a client uh, call yesterday and wants to wants me to pick a stock, couple stocks for him to buy since things are down. Right. And so my comment was that, all right, so let's say XYZ's down 10%. Looks like a great buy. I think you should buy that. And you buy it and it goes up 15% in the next 
two months. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good deal, man. I bought it low. It's up 15%. I made 15% on my money. Okay, now you should sell it. Well, what do I want to sell? I made 15%. So how long are you going to hold it? This is a conversation I said. So let's say that happened. When are you going to sell XYZ stock then? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. So let's say you're so happy with how much you made from it. I'm just going to hold it for a while and I'm going to keep it for the next couple of years. Well, let's say it flattens out and it doesn't do anything after that 15%. And for the next couple of years, it doesn't really grow in price. And then you feel like, wow, this has been good, but maybe I should sell it now. Okay, well, let's average out what your actual return was on that. If you'd have sold it at the end of two months, it would have been a great return. But you held it now for a couple of years or more than a couple of years. And this happens all the time. Now, all of a sudden, it wasn't such a great return. Right. And so I went through that process with him. I said, so when are you going to sell? If we gave you the best stock today that was really down, it was probably come flying back. When would you sell it? I don't know. Well, if you don't know that, then it doesn't make any sense to buy that stock. Yeah. Now, I have the perfect example. And we talked about my friend who bought AMC before on this podcast. Yeah. He bought it. His average price of buying per share was $8. So pretty low. He got in. I mean, originally when AMC was the meme stock of the year last year, like back last May or June or something like that, it started at like $2 a share. So he got in right pretty early with about $8. Got all the way up last summer to like $68 a share. He was up tens of thousands of dollars of his original investment. And he was over the moon just talking about it. And I said, now's the time to get out, man. You're up. Why Why stay in there? You can cash out with some big money. He said, oh, no. The news and the the media and the, and the talk around this stock is that it's going to double from 60 to 120. I'm holding on to 120. It never surpassed that. In fact, even today, it's down to like $16 a share. So he still would make money if he sold today, but he missed his window of opportunity because he got caught up in the emotions of, well, they're saying it could go even higher. I better hold on for longer. And that's the problem. With market timing, it happens so quickly, right? We can't get in and get out at the right times. I joke about buying low, selling high. It is an effective thing, but it's almost impossible to do in the short term. You can't do it in a month or in a year or even in a six-month period. Those types of time frames are too short to really know when to get in and when to get out. And the problem is when you know logically it's time to get out, you get too emotional and you stay in too long, right? Yeah. That's the hard part of all this. And let's say that stock stays at $16 for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to go around and tell people, I doubled my money. Sure. Yeah, you doubled your money, but you've doubled it over a three-year period now, not exactly. just six months. So now let's average what that comes out to as an average return over that three years. Right. Now it gets jaded, right? Mm-hmm. It might have been a 100% return in six months. But now over a three-year period, it might be what? A third. A third. So a thir- 30% return. Which Great. Is, which is still good. But the point is, you can say you doubled your money, but it isn't as good as what you think it might be. Right. Exactly. So this is why I said, and I've said this in the past, maybe in some bad past bad uh, podcast, is that if you're doing, when I used to do penny stocks, when you buy, you had to have a sell price in your mind the day you bought it. And when it hit that, you sold it at that price. Right. I'll give you another example, buy low, sell high. And maybe we're getting off track here, but I don't, I don't know. The stories are always great. This was at the end of the 2008 recession, which uh, bottomed out in March of 2009. They had a client call and he says, I got 50 grand. I want you to pick out five stocks, five or six stocks that I can double my money in. I said, oh my goodness. So I'm in Florida. Okay. So I am on the internet and I found six stocks. 
they were mostly financials and a couple uh one was a shipping company and uh, and you know the fi- it was a financial crisis so bank stocks that were still surviving by may of 09 were probably going to come out of this thing so i picked them by the end of april he had over a hundred thousand so, so in less than money. two months and i when he, he he kept checking in in april i'm back in ohio and he kept checking in and i said look Whenever I tell you, you need to sell all of them. And so one of the companies was, uh, I think it was called Dry Ships or something. I don't even know if they're still out there anymore. But anyhow, they were going to come out with a um, public offering of more stock. So it was going to dilute the shares of stock. And I called him. I said, you got to dump that. He had, it's going to get diluted now. And so he dumped it. And I said, I dump all of it. You've doubled your money. That was your idea. Doing, oh, no, I'm going to hold on to those bank stocks. I go, why? He goes, well, they're all coming around now. I go, but the money's already been made. You wanted to double your money. Anything you do now is going gonna, is gonna to wash out. In other words, if they all flatten out, which they did. I'm not going to say they stayed flat, but they didn't grow hardly much at all after that you know, initial right. jump. And uh, by the end of the year, he finally got rid of all of them. But he took his time, and I kept saying, the longer you hold on to it, the less your average return on that is. Right. So anyhow, but there's a perfect example of a very, he was a very intelligent investor, had a lot of money. He was a big business guy and he just couldn't emotionally let go of the fact that you made what you wanted. Now move on. Don't get greedy. That's the game, right? It's just, you get caught up in the moment and that's that, that's that emotional piece to it. Well, it's the, it's the Vegas mindset, right? So, okay. Say you're at the blackjack table and you're up, you know, doubled your money at the blackjack table. You came with a hundred bucks and now you're at $200. The logical thing is to say, the house always wins. If I'm up now, I should walk away. But when you're on a hot streak, what do you do? You, you keep playing. You keep playing. And the problem is, and this is the thing that happens with the stock market, is that long term, if you have a good design portfolio that's for long term types of returns, you're going to be fine. But if you're playing a short term game and you try to stretch it out to the long term view, that's when you run into trouble. The house always wins. You yeah. know, you, you have to be very, very careful with how you're doing that stuff. Like you say, set your number and run with it. Now, what we would do with our clients is, and we're, we work pretty much solely with their retirement money as well as money that they plan on using for some type of retirement or handing off as a legacy to the next generation of those types of things. We're working with larger amounts of money that mean more emotionally to our people, right? right. It's not just 50 grand most of the time that they're just willing to bet on black, right? At, at right. the roulette table. The idea is, is that we want to find a good, consistent way for them to experience growth that beats inflation, hopefully beats it significantly, um, beats inflation, but also gives them a good, significant growth over a long period of time. Because if it goes to their kids or their grandkids, we want the grandkids to have more money than what the parents or the grandparents had before. And so we got to be thinking along those lines. So we don't take that kind of risk of, you know, picking stocks or rolling the dice on certain things. But the idea still stays the same. Buy low, sell high. If you buy it today, when the mark, when the S and P five hundred is down eight percent for the month, if you buy it today, then you can ride that out, and hopefully, over a long period of time, that was low, and the future is high. Now, I don't know what the future is going to bring, but like you said, historically, wherever the market has been, it always comes back higher along the way. So that's the that's the mentality when you have to think retirement. We're not talking about five minutes, we're talking about five years. And we're not even really talking about five years. We're talking about 10, 20, 30 years, especially for our retirees. You retire at 60. Nowadays, it could be 30 years until you're dead. 
that's a long time to have money that you need to be able to manage. So we need to think that long-term perspective. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other way to look at it is that we're not trying to hit home runs all day long. We're not trying to hit home runs. We're just trying to run the bases and run the bases and get around, get around the bases. Hmm. Quit trying to hit the home run every time. And this is, the, this is the mentality I think I've seen in the last year of the younger crowd who's playing uh, the AMC game and all the, you know, the crypto games and stuff. Sure. They're looking for that home run every time. And it's a very dangerous ball game. And um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't if that's what you want to do. But I'm just saying with your bulk core money that you plan on using for retirement, which are clients that we're dealing with, we aren't looking for the home runs. Now, is there going to be some home runs hit in there? Sure. And that's a money manager's job. That's not us as the advisor's job. Our job is not to pick those uh, home runs. There's plenty of professionals they have all the connections, all the software. They have all the stuff to analyze way better than any of us can. And it's just like the, the fella in 2008, uh, a gorilla could have picked those six stocks. It had nothing to do with my talent, trust me. Uh, it was a gorilla could pick that. And so, again, it's not about hitting home runs. This guy was playing a game is what he was doing because he had 50 sitting, you know, just doing nothing. But for our, you're right, for our retirement people – We've got to be we got to be looking for a good batting average, not for a home right. run. Babe Ruth hit a lot of home runs, but he struck out a lot. Well, I was just going to say I like your baseball analogy because you got the Babe Ruth right, and everyone remembers Babe Ruth because he was the big home run hitter. I think the Babe Ruth of stock market investing is a guy like Warren Buffett. He hits all the big home runs. Now Warren Buffett has struck out a lot too. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. But the the idea is is that he's famous for hitting his home runs. But if you think about that one movie that came out, it was really good, called Moneyball. Oh, yeah. And it was about the baseball team that was a bunch of average guys. No superstars on this team. But it was all a statistics game. They were. It was all about on-base percentage and a ton of other different things. They didn't pick players because they slammed home runs or they had Golden Glove awards. They picked guys who were on-base more often than not. And because of that, they had a stellar season, an unreal like comeback season, all based off of some average Joe guys that had no real major talent, superstar Hall of Fame talent. It was it was unreal. That's the kind of stuff we're doing with portfolios. Yeah, everyone wants to be known as Babe Ruth who hit all the home runs. But heck, if you can have a winning season and a knock-it-out-of-the-park stellar season just by getting on base, that's even better. Average Joes can experience success like the home run hitters. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I tell clients is that, that come in and they go, look, I got I to gotta put my... Um, my SEP money in today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might as well put it in now while the market's down 8%. I'm just going to dump it in there now instead of, you know, doing it throughout the year or later in the year or whatever. And you go, yeah, that looks great right now. But in the grand scheme of things, 20 years from now, that 8% isn't going to mean anything. It right. really doesn't. So if my SEP is 20,000 bucks, I'm going to put in, I, wow, I got in at 8% less. Yeah, you know, that, that's pretty cool short term. Mm-hmm. But long term, that's not going to change your overall average hardly at all. So mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean anything to try to jump in all at once. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I put uh, simple money in. I put my max simple in each year because we have a simple plan here. And I was thinking about doing it, you know, right now. Sure. And I calculated what just that, you know, what is it? 16.5, I think I can put in. So I went, well, if I put that in now, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy it at this price and it goes back up, you know, and I averaged it all. Out. I'm like, there's like 
maybe a hundred dollars difference, like <laughs> in a year from now or so. Right. It was minute it on the whole enough. grand scheme of things. It's like, so why even worry about trying to jump it in, get it in there right now? It's like, I'm not going to do it. It just doesn't make sense to me. And so when you start running the numbers and looking at it long term, buying in right now today seems like the greatest thing, but in the long run, it doesn't really affect a whole sure. lot. Sure. Sure. Well, I think you. I think you're right. And most of our clients, the most successful ones, the ones who really have built their wealth, they're just consistent. Yes. They they have their 401ks at work. They've been loading them up while they're working. They have their individual retirement accounts um, arrangements, uh, IRAs they have with us. They load them up on a monthly basis. You know, hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, whatever it is. They are just consistent, whether it's good or bad. They are putting money in because over time it averages itself out. It's what's called dollar cost averaging in the investing world. If you are average every day, putting in a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, it ends up being a really good benefit for you. You're not putting it all in when it's high. Now you're not putting it all in when it's low either. But over time, you get a good consistent growth to your portfolio because you're it's the snowball effect. It starts small at the top of the hill. As it rolls down that big hill of snow, it gathers more and more momentum. Well, if you can keep throwing snow on it while it's rolling, that thing's going to grow even faster. Right. And that works for personal accounts that are, aren't even IRAs or sure. some non-qualified personal after-tax money. You're sitting in the bank. There's, why are you leaving in the bank earning very little? You can invest that just like you do your IRA or anything else. And, uh, and they're the successful people have fair amount of money in non-qualified accounts because they put it away on a consistent basis as well. Yeah. Well, and if you go back to some of our portfolio engineering episodes, we talk about that. It's about having money in different types of accounts, not just qualified money in your 401k, but having some non-qualified money and some Roth money and some ways to diversify your income so that you can start playing the tax game down the road. And again, we've talked about this in previous episodes. If you want to go back, we have a whole series on taxes um, and being tax efficient with your investments. We have a whole series on portfolio engineering and why we design the portfolios we do and what type of qualified accounts we put them into for income purposes. So you can always check that stuff out. So any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Brad? No, I guess the only thing I got to say is Uncle Sam's waiting is knocking at your door waiting for that tax money and tax season's coming around. So all you people have bought crypto and made a killing on it last year. Welcome to your nightmare. <laughs> the Grim Reaper's at the door. Uh, Uncle with Sam his bag. is knocking at the door with his backpack open. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a nice amount of money you got there. Uh, how much of that do you owe me? And he's got his bill. I've always wondered about the U.S. tax system. I was laughing at a TikTok I watched not too long ago. And it was a guy who, who he's like talking to this fake IRS agent. And he says, all right, so you're going to tell me how much I owe the, the government in taxes. And the agent says, no, we're not going to tell you. And he goes, okay, so I have to figure it out myself. Yeah, you have to figure it out yourself. Okay, um, well, what happens if I get it wrong? Well, you're going to go to jail. Well, how would you know if I got it wrong? Well, we know how much you owe. The government knows how much you owe. But if you get it wrong, you have to go to jail. And he goes... But you said that you're not going to figure it out for me. Oh, no, we know. It's just our ultimate secret. And if you don't figure it out on your own, it's really complicated. You're going to end up in jail. Good luck. I mean, that's exactly how the crypto guys feel right now. Or anyone who got into those meme stocks are going, great, I made all this money. 
but crap, I might end up with tax evasion if I'm not careful because i got to figure out how this all works. And even the IRS is scrambling on how that looks. So we'll have future episodes. I'm still working with one of my friends uh, who's, an, who's a CPA who's going to come in and give us some ideas of what some of the stuff looks like in the future. But um, that wraps up our five habits of financially effective people. Thanks to our uh, one of our listeners, Brandon, for coming up with this little theme. It's been a real fun series that we've gone through. We'll come up with a new series here coming up in our next episode. But in the meantime, um, if you are looking for a financial advisor, you can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. Click that. You can get a free complimentary appointment with Brad or myself, Taylor, and we can talk through how do we help you uh, get retired as soon as possible. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, Have a great week. Stay warm out there if you're in Ohio like us. And uh, definitely do not panic. Trust your process and your portfolio and stick to those five effective things that financially, uh, five habits that financially effective people do. Very confusing. Very confusing. Adios. (laughs) Bye-bye. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.